Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi everyone, it's Chris here, back with another episode of Monkey Island Discs and another great guest. Today we've got Ellie Gibson, who is half of the Scummy Mummies podcast. They've won many, many awards, but also it turns out that Ellie is a huge fan of gaming. She's been streaming games online to her followers, some of them are absolutely hilarious games, and she manages to fit it in around her busy, busy schedule. We started off, as ever, with her earliest gaming memories. I do... I do remember it quite distinctly. It was um, Jet Set Willy, which I don't know if you're familiar with. Um, it's on the spectrum, isn't it? It's, it's a very old game. Nightly yes, that's right. Something. Um, I would have been very little. And I went to my friend's house, uh, my friend Nancy and Megan's house, and it was just the coolest thing. I'd never seen a video game before, let alone one that had a keyboard with rubber <laughs> keys. And also they had an air raid shelter in their back garden still from the war, because that is how long ago it was. Chris, unbelievably. <laughs> um, seriously, they're near each other. So yes, um, but I just remember seeing it and going, "Oh, you can press the thing, and then and then the man moves." And I remember thinking that was absolutely amazing, mind blowing. It's like a, a very early kind of Mario style, isn't it? I think I remember now. It's like you you jump and. It was quite a basic one. Yes, it, very basic. Very sort of, it looks like it was made out of CFAX. It was one of those ones, um, <laughs> one of the very earliest ones. And I think there was a thing where it might have been without an order sequel where you couldn't complete it. There was some bug in the game where it was impossible to complete. There might have been Jet Set Willy 2, though. But yeah, 1984 it came out. So I would have been, I would have been about seven, seven or eight. I love that games in the olden days, what you what you bought was what you got given. And there were no updates. There were no kind of... 10 gigabyte download files and all this extra stuff that you can have nowadays it was if the game is broken that's tough yeah no there was no there was no such thing as as downloadable content dlc was there that was that was just (laughs) it which in a way i don't know maybe maybe this makes me sound like an old fart which i quite like to be honest because like (laughs) you know with a game like assassin's creed valhalla which is obviously amazing absolutely massive it took me 97 hours to complete that just doing the story and then they were like, oh, here's four loads of DLC. Oh, look, here's a whole other country you can explore. And I was like, I'm exhausted. I was enjoying mm, the mm. feeling of completion and now you've ruined it. <laughs> right. Are you a completionist? That's what I want to know, because I was the sort of person who had to get 100% in games. And that meant getting every achievement, which in one game, Left 4 Dead, meant killing like 90,000 zombies. So are you a completionist? Uh, no, certainly not anymore. You know, I have um, <laughs> I have children now and a job and I'm very conscious of my own mortality. So uh, less so <laughs> at the age of 40, nearly 45. Um, but I, I have been a completionist. Like when I was at university, I did an English degree, which basically meant I spent most of three years playing video games. And I remember getting not just 100%, but 101% on Donkey Kong Country, which you only get wow. by collecting every single, I think it's every single banana in the game. And that is a lot of bananas. Um, so, so yes, I did, I did complete that. 
But um, but these days, no, I'm about getting through it. Almost to the point where it feels like work. I'm just like, certainly, with again, with the big epic adventure games like Assassin's Creed, there's just so much to do. Like one of my Twitch viewers, he's complete. He spent something like 280 hours on it. Serious. And I'm just like... Oh goodness me! You could you could you know grow a whole human being in that time as I have done. <laughs> well, tell us about your Twitch streaming because I know it's mm. something that you do uh, a reasonable amount of now, and you tend to pick uh, games that are. I saw one you did the other day was a very amusingly titled game, and you just sort of decide to plow into them. Uh, what make what makes you choose the games, and how long do you stream for? Oh yeah, so I started um, streaming in in the second lockdown in that January, just because I basically didn't have anything better to do, and it was just a sort of silly experiment, and it ended up being loads of fun. And I accidentally created a community by mistake, so <laughs> so it's gone on and on. So it's most Tuesdays and most Friday nights now, and um, yeah, and um, I started off doing again doing the big historical epics because I like those games because it feels like you're on a real adventure. I really like playing them, but also they're quite yeah. funny. You know, often the cutscenes the script's really bad or you know there'll be some sort of funny anachronism or it's it's just amusing so they're quite good to make fun of um but i like to change up now and again so usually when when i've just finished like again if i played a game for 97 hours i might need a break from that sort of thing so recently we've played stray uh the game where you're a little cat um the cat game yes And at the moment on Tuesdays, I'm playing A Way Out, which is a two-player game where you have to work together to escape from prison. So I'm playing that with my friend Emily, who's also a streamer. Um, And also we had a little bit of fun recently streaming interactive erotic fiction. Um, Yes, that's what I saw you doing. mm, That's the one. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, but what makes you kind of pick... Because the weirder games, I suppose, for streaming purposes are kind of better i guess because they're just so funny like i guess there's more to react to i mean they serve different purposes don't they so definitely the erotic fiction was because it's so silly it was fun for a bit but the novelty kind of wore off and then we all got a bit bored of the fact that they're not really that erotic like it's at no point did Mm. we actually see any rude bits let alone see any rude bits going in and out of other rude bits which frankly if you're not if you're not going to see that there's no point is there so we gave up so the novelty i'm I'm, and and similarly um (laughs) we played uh what's it called trombone champ uh oh wow yeah we played that for and that that to be honest that was again that was an evening um because i'm not sure how long anyone including me wants to watch someone playing a fictional trombone badly (laughs) i just don't know about the entertainment value in that really um whereas what's nice for me about the big adventure games is that and what i love about twitch is that i feel like i'm on an adventure with some mates you know it feels like we're on this big quest and we're exploring this world and and because we're doing that together that's how you end up with little you know shared jokes and memories and stories i remember that time you set your horse on fire which frankly is about every 20 minutes but um (laughs) you know um I like those games because they feel like you're having a little journey with some buddies and that's the most fun, really. You just reminded me of the time where I played uh, and reviewed Love Island, the game, for your mobile phone. Not a terrible game. Not a terrible... Could be worse. Could be worse. It was actually... I was getting into it more than I should have, and I don't really like Love Island. But I thought the scripting's actually quite good in this, and I found myself (laughs) getting absorbed. But that's, I suppose, that's the nice thing about playing games for the sake of playing them is that you can actually discover stuff i guess mm. that you because you were not going to play trombone champion just on your own i'm imagining uh no i mean look it's again it's look trombone champion is a very strange one i'm trying to write something about it at the moment because 
I I didn't get on with it really. I was like, I I don't understand this. This is just Guitar Hero with fart noises. Um, I don't yes. get why it's this big sensation. My friend Keza McDonald, who is the games editor for the Guardian, she absolutely loves it and and thinks it's just the best thing ever. But she's also a, a Guitar Hero master. That was her thing back oh, in the right, day. She's see, a, she's a proper virtuoso on the Guitar Hero. So, but look, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about video games, especially these days. You know, in the old days of Jet Set Willie all the games kind of looked like that and mm, they mm-hmm. were all pretty much uh, about jumping over some things or shooting some things you know and that was yeah. kind of it whereas what i love is that now there's this vast so many genres and within those so many different types of games and and kinds of graphics and artistic styles and narratives and i just think it's a great time to be a gamer stop kidding around snake I want to ask you about your gaming heaven and gaming hell, but let's oh. start with the good, obviously. Is there a game that you've played since Jet Set Willy, and it could even be that, that stands out as your favourite of all time? And, and I'll let you have a series. So if you were to say Assassin's Creed, I'll let you have all of them. I, but is there one series that stands out for you? Oh, uh, look, I, 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 I'm always slightly ashamed to say this because it's a very boring and obvious answer but it remains nonetheless a truth that my favorite series of all time is tomb raider which is what all women in their 40s who've been gamers for at least (laughs) 20 years all say it is the sylvia plath's bell jar of video games (laughs) for women of a certain age it is the judy bloom forever of games um but yes i just love Tomb Raider and I loved it from the first moment I saw it and and because again back in the day you know I mean even now the situation is not great but there were no other female games characters that didn't have a pink bow in their hair like Ms Pac-Man or a pink dress on like Princess Peach I mean that was it um so to see this female character who yes she had big knockers but she was incredibly strong and athletic and clever um and also brilliantly I think she was kind of um a bit of a blank canvas in terms of you didn't know Mm. a lot you knew sort of who she was in terms of oh she's posh and she you know but you didn't really know what kind of personality lara had which meant of course you could project your own personality Mm. onto her (laughs) um (laughs) and i think uh i i just i love that i love the enigma of it but it's not just lara i love um i love the the environments you get to visit and i love these beautiful huge temples or jungle landscapes all this stuff and i love solving the puzzles and i love um the isolation I'll never forget walking through those caverns, the first levels of the first game, and, you know, a bat just flying. You know, you wouldn't see an enemy for ages, and then a bat would fly out, and you'd absolutely crap yourself, or the, or the dinosaurs would loom out. Yeah. The that was astonishing. And I do think the the series has lost its way a bit, because as, as Laura, I understand why, but as Laura's become more sort of human, and there's become a lot more combat, it's become a lot more about sort of murder and angst. And that's not really why I liked Tomb Raider in the first place, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so you're you're saying early days Tomb Raider then? So not not all of Tomb Raider, but the early incarnations of Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, which I also remember having the very scary mummy tied to a chair, and then the chair yeah. would face you whichever way you walked around the chair, which oh. was the most scary thing of all time. I remember. Oh, as a the, child or the Shiva that, statue so. that came to life. Yeah, yeah. all of those oh. moments. I saw. I mean, yeah, but this is the tricky thing. I, I, if you try and go go back and play those early games now, as I have done quite a few times over the years, it's it's increasingly difficult because they're so blocky. They're so difficult yeah. to look at now, and our eight eyes and our brains are now trained to expect 
more polished graphics in a way they weren't in those days and our brains just made up the difference whereas the modern Tomb Raider games absolutely stunning and there are some absolutely gorgeous landscapes in them and great puzzles but there's I could just do with all with all without all the murdery bits in between really so really if they were to remaster the original Tomb Raiders with better graphics that could be your dream situation that would be and again they have they did do that um a while ago and that was nice but even those though the remasters look a bit old now and they did some in, and they sort of ruined the t-rex moment with a quick time event it was again they just sort of missed the point a bit yeah. um i would i would love it if they if they remastered the original ones and and ke- not necessarily did them the same but recaptured somehow that sense mm. of just being a woman on your own um solving these puzzles and in, in, in these beautiful environments that would be my dream yes so let's go to the, perhaps the worst game that you've ever played, or at least one that was so frustrating that you considered snapping the disc in half. Is there one that comes to oh, mind when when there's I've, one that you hate? I've got a top ten because oh, wow. <laughs> um, because so I was a I was a journalist at Eurogamer um, for nearly ten years. Um, I worked there, and my specialties one of my specialties became reviewing really terrible games um, <laughs> because I quite enjoyed it. It's, I mean, let's be honest. It's much easier for me anyway to kick something in than to praise it. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I, I found it a real struggle to talk seriously and earnestly about something like Gears of War, which, you know, <laughs> let's be honest, is just a child's toy where you're pretending to be a big man with a nice gun. I just couldn't take <laughs> it that seriously. Um, so, But I liked playing the rubbish games because it was easy to go, oh, for goodness sake. So on that <laughs> list, there were so many. There was Fighter Within, which was an Xbox Connect game that just didn't work and it was awful um tony hawk ride did you ever play that where you had a plastic skateboard i saw i saw it but i didn't commit to the peripheral because i thought it looked a bit stupid and i sucked at skateboarding in real life so it was too a step too far for me it was truly awful. It was because Guitar Hero was all the rage. So every game yeah. then had to have a practical, a plastic peripheral for about two years. And it had this skateboard that had no wheels and it didn't work and it was really hard to play. And I worked out at one point that if I, rather than trying to balance on this bit of plastic in my lounge, which felt completely ridiculous anyway, if I just sat on the floor and waggled it above my head, I'd actually get more points. So I just started doing that. So probably wow. that one, yeah. Um, and I can ask you about a character that perhaps you would like to be, but it sounds like you might oh. say Tomb Raider for that already. Well, of course, she's got she's got everything, <laughs> hasn't she? You know, again, athleticism, uh, intelligence, yeah. and let's be honest, loads of money and big knockers. I mean, that you know, who who would turn that? I bet you'd quite like all that, Chris. Given the uh, choice, the dream, the dream. Yeah. I think is oh, yeah. that's what that's called. <laughs> okay, and and when it comes to your console slash PC gaming history. Where did you start? Because it sounds like you started with classic consoles and maybe had the Spectrum and things like that. Take us through your your journey into gaming. Did you go for PlayStation, Xbox or PC? What was your route? Well, again, I'm I'm so old that um I, I didn't have a Spectrum. I just have I had to go with my friends, and I had to go with my friends Amiga for ages, and we we didn't have any money basically growing up. And then I remember going to a church jumble sale and buying. Um, a Binavision. Do you remember where you had to like twist? The controllers were like yes. bottles that you sort of twisted bottle caps to make the pong butt bats go up and down. Yes. <laughs> and That's I, amazing. Yeah, I bought that for, for like a pound or something and then plugged that into the telly. <laughs> and then um, I made the telly go wrong. I accidentally detuned all the channels. And my parents were furious. <laughs> and then I eventually saved up and I got an Atari 2600, which was the wood effect one, I think. 
Um, so I got Very that nice. from Argos, and then I and then we borrowed console. I remember bor- we borrowed a Sega Mega Drive for a while. We borrowed a SNES for a while, and then I got my brother to swap it so we could borrow a Sega Mega Drive. And he was furious because he thought the Sega Mega Drive was much more rubbish. But I loved Sonic the Hedgehog, so I didn't <laughs> care. And then eventually, I think my parents went, "Look, this isn't going away, isn't it?" And I convinced my dad to um, let me buy a second hand. Um, Amstrad CPC 464, which he had to drive me to Tottenham to get. We saw, we found it in Luke newspaper, which was like the eBay of its day. And he dri- <laughs> and we, we lived in South London, South East London, and he had to drive me all the way to Tottenham to get this thing. And it came with this huge crate of games, half of which didn't even work, let alone were any good. Of course. But it was it was incredibly exciting. I loved that. Um, and then I got into PlayStation. Uh, and then that, that then that was that was like my trip. Like all those were just sort of like crap boyfriends, really. And then I met the love of my life, which was the Sony PlayStation. Now, was it the PlayStation One or was it later editions or all of them? Well, so what happened was um, I had a friend and we got we got a PlayStation One. We got other, and that and then we had Wipeout and Tomb Raider and all that, and we loved all of that. That was amazing. And then. Um, so I left university with this English degree that I didn't know what I was going to do with. And I saw an advert in the paper to be a copywriter at PlayStation, at Sony in London. And unbelievably, I got the job. Um, wow. And I had to go through three rounds of interviews. And the last interview, they put me in a room and they sat me in front of a PlayStation 2, which at that point hadn't even been released in Britain. Uh, and I just felt like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I just felt like this is the best day of my life. <clears throat> And I later found out that they'd done that because I was a woman, I am a woman, and they, they weren't sure that I hadn't been bluffing the whole time and they wanted to make sure I did know my way around a PlayStation controller and that I'd work wow. out how to put the game in and turn it on and play the game, uh, which I did because I wasn't a liar. So, <laughs> so, so, so the yeah. moral of the story is always tell the truth. <laughs> exactly. And then I, I worked at Sony for, I think, a year and a half and loved it, really loved it. I joined the week that PlayStation 2 launched and that was the, year my, that was the week my career in games launched and I've, I have loved PlayStation ever since. I've dabbled in xbox 360 i sort of had a bit of a bit of an affair uh with the xbox 360 um but then the day came when it got the red ring of death and i had to wrap it in towels which did work but it did sound the death knell for the love affair with the xbox so it was back to the playstation i think that's fair enough and and would you say now that the playstation affair has continued turned into a marriage maybe Uh, is it still continuing to this day or do you find yourself on the on the computer for streaming purposes um i do like the ps5 to be honest i like that it kind of looks like a spaceship i find that very appealing it Um, does yeah um it looks like something out of battlestar galactica which is my favorite tv show so i love that i like that um and i really like i I do i have streamed um from mobile and from the computer and all that but it's just so easy on the playstation i'm very lazy i like that you just press a button and it goes Mm. having said all that i do love a nintendo switch because obviously i'm because i'm a i'm a comedian i'm one of a double act called scummy mummies and we're on tour a lot so i like being able to take the switch with me and um and also i like being able to play my switch while my children are watching something on the telly or via vice versa so um yeah so you know i dabble i dabble so i'm going to ask you for advice here which is um we're about to uh my wife and i who does this podcast with me are about to have a child in february so how are we supposed to how are we supposed to fit the gaming in uh during that time well how are you going to fit anything in uh really um (laughs) 
get definitely get get some done now. Um, I would say when yeah. they're when they're very little. Um, assuming that they're, they're, you know, sort of not screaming all the time, which can happen. Yeah. Um, I it's actually not so bad. I did quite a lot of gaming while breastfeeding. Um, because you can you can breastfeed and hold a controller. I mean, I don't know if you're personally planning to breastfeed, Chris, but something to bear in mind. Um, I'm happy to try anything. <laughs> yeah, just give it a go. Um, yeah, it's when it's when they can start running around that things get really hard. So, um, yeah, I. Do you know, I think it's like I think it's like a lot of things. When you become a parent, you maybe just have to accept that for a few years you're not going to yeah. be able to do all the things you like to do, um, whether that's going to fancy restaurants or playing video games or having it off. You know, you might just need a little break from those things. <laughs> um, Cyberpunk 2077 is going to have to wait for another, yes, another year. Exactly. That's fine. I'm but happy then to take that hit. But then what's brilliant, what's the brilliant thing about games especially is that as soon as they get sort of old enough to hold a controller, um, then you've, mm. got, you've, you've got an instant shared interest like to, to share with them, which they may or may not like. My seven-year-old doesn't give a monkeys about games, couldn't care less. <laughs> My 11-year-old, is he loves it. He plays on, he's on the PlayStation every day and he wants to be a YouTuber and all of that. So, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. Uh, take, take us through the Scummy Mummies uh, podcast of the touring and how you squeeze the gaming in on the side of that as well, because I'm imagining that it's, a, I mean, it sounds like it's so much fun. Oh, loads of fun. Loads of fun. So Scummy Mummies, yes, we've been together. It'll be 10 years next year since I met Helen. Um, and we do this live comedy show and it's all about it's all about how we love our kids, blah, blah, blah. But um, parenting is really hard and messy and funny, uh, as you're about to find out. So something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there isn't any, there's no game stuff in our show at all. But I quite like that. I quite like having two sort of separate worlds and and things that I do jokes about and and laugh about so yeah an ideal in an ideal week I'll stream two nights a week and then do one or two scummy mummies show and then and then the rest of the time I'll spend time with my children my husband whatever but um yeah I I like that blend and I really like being on tour because yes I do get to play games I get me Nintendo Switch out in the van or in the hotel room after the show whatever because often it can when you've got all that adrenaline going from a comedy show it can take Mm. a while to sort of calm down and it's really nice to be back in the premiere in whip out the switch <laughs> and uh and have a little go what's your go-to post gig switch game oh it depends at the moment i'm playing that um that disney one the one that's like what's it called magical oh dream oh, dream one. dream world or new? something yeah it's quite new disney dreamlight Dr- valley Oh, Disney yes. Dreamlight Valley. Yes, there it is. Yes. So at the moment, I'm playing uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley, which is basically sort of Animal Crossing with Mickey Mouse. Um, but <laughs> I find games like that uh, quite good for sort of for post gig or just general relaxation because I like games like that where you um, you have to kind of put things in order. You can be a little bit creative, like you're designing your your stuff and and all of that. And I, I there's something very calming about right. This is what we're doing. My other favourite game at the moment is um, on the mobile is Airplane Chefs. Um, so oh. that's where you because when I was little, I always wanted to be a video games journalist or an astronaut or an air hostess. Uh, and I've sadly only achieved one of those things. Um, so I lo- it's, you're literally, you're just literally warming up chicken and serving coffee and give, bringing people blankets. And it, it wow. just makes me so happy. I really like it. That's funny because Lee, 
her dream job was being an air hostess as well. Oh, get her on Airplane Chefs. <laughs> so I'm going to get her on it. It's, That's a recommendation. It's free to download. It's very, very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> like part of this Airplane episode Chefs. Was sponsored. <laughs> one of the main things in, Airpl- in Airplane Chefs is taking out the bin. Literally, the little bin on your trolley gets <laughs> gets filled up and you have to you have to remember to empty the bin. And I never thought emptying <laughs> bins could be so entertaining. But that's the beauty of video games. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your Monkey Island Discs with us and uh, best of luck with all the gigging and touring and podcasting. Thank you. Can I ask, on on the Monkey Island, is it like Desert Island Discs where you get the Bible and the complete works of Shakespeare? Can you can I... have that if you so request it, yes. No, no. Can I swap Can I swap the Bible for a complete walkthrough of all the Tomb Raider games if I'm having the Tomb Raider games, please? Because, <laughs> again, when I remember in the olden days, there was no internet. There was no, like, looking up, or oh, how do we find the, the key to the rusty gate? Uh, no, you had, you had to, to we... buy a book. Yeah, you had to buy an actual book. So I'd like those original books, please. You can have the Tomb Raider Bible as Thank your... You. Perfect. <laughs> and that, I mean, that could be a luxury item as well in many ways, because, you know... It would save you so much trouble. Yes, just make sure. I don't. What I don't want is the novelisation of the film, which was awful. So if you just just <laughs> make sure you know what you're doing. Thank you to Ellie Gibson, and thanks for tuning in to the Naked Gaming Podcast. We'll have more in the future. Lee is still planning on doing one. We promise at some stage. But do subscribe, and you'll make sure that you don't miss any. Just find us at Naked Gaming Pod on Twitter or anywhere else. 